Hello and welcome to FML Fund My Life, a podcast brought to you by My Wall Street. Today we have a very special interview with Neve Kelly and Lisa Coolan from Tower Financial Partners, which is a financial planning firm that provides expert advice to individuals and companies in areas such as retirement planning, wealth management, succession planning and business and family protection. So hi Amory, how are you today and how did you find the interview? Hi Nicole, I am good. I actually really enjoyed the interview because I don't know all that much about kind of Irish pension schemes and and that sort of thing because um, I'm very used to like the Roth IRA or the 401k that we have in the US. So that was nice to hear. Um, I suppose we should say that this is financial planning from an Irish perspective. They're kind of naming specific products available to Irish people in Ireland. Um, but I think a lot of the lessons they say are pretty applicable to really anywhere in the world. So I guess something to take away from this if you're not in Ireland sad days for you um <laughs> is that maybe reach out to a financial planner kind of like within your own country and um speak to them about what options are available for you this is kind of i suppose like our most technical getting started um podcast where we're really providing like names of of things and people to contact and things to research yeah. so if you are feeling inspired to get help with your own financial planning and you are irish you can head on over to tara financial's website at www.tarafinancial.ie perfect yeah and then yeah so some of the stats I was actually looking at like in retirement and those Mm -hmm. kind of things I think we did mention on the first podcast but there's no harm in saying it again that retirement plan is really important for women because Mm -hmm. studies actually show that we save 40% less for retirement compared to men which is massive Mm -hmm. Yeah, we actually asked kind of specific questions around that in the interview. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was really interesting here, their answers kind of just discussing about how women in terms of their career life and their financial life, that it often means that you're it's just a more kind of nuanced discussion because you're trying mm-hmm. to maybe cover up for a bunch of different factors, things like the wage gap, but then also like the idea of what if you want to take off an extended period of time to raise children or or what if you want to take off time, you know, to take care of your parents as they get older or something like that. Um, and it was really interesting hearing them say, oh, like a financial planner can help you cover for those possibilities mm-hmm. or those opportunities um, down the line. And so I really liked that. And the uh, the um, two women we spoke to had a real focus on like trying to bring in female clients and mm-hmm. um, helping them kind of prepare for the future and bring a bit more equality to the financial space. So that was always good to hear. Yeah. And um, again, I think it's important because most people don't really start their pension planning until they're in their 30s. Mm-hmm. And I think it was Neve that shared a really interesting stat about how much less you could have compared yeah. to if you started in your 20s. Mm-hmm. So it is really, really important to um, kind of get that going as soon as possible. It's kind of like investing in the stock market as well. The difference yeah. between five to 10 years can be massive. Yeah, and definitely. I think in Ireland as well, like people retire with a pension of approximately 90,000 euros. And I remember reading a few articles about it and most people are really surprised by, you know, that's not enough. That's not how much they need to. So do you kind of see like pension and alongside stock investing as kind of the golden key for retirement so you know we can all go to Florida or Spain (laughs) wherever you are um yeah I I guess so I think in the U.S. they're kind of like more closely together so what we would use is like a 401k something that's provided by your employer Mm. and then a Roth IRA is something that you can just open on your own um Mm -hmm. but you can like invest in individual stocks within that and it's like technically a retirement account but then also one that you kind of get to actively participate in um you seem to not have that 
option as much in Ireland, which is a bummer. It seems to be very mm. kind of state managed. And um, it means that your kind of returns can be sort of minimal in the early years. And that's quite frustrating to young people because they're kind of like, mm. why am I contributing to this if I'm not getting great returns yeah. up front? And so I think particularly in the case of like Ireland and the UK, it seems to be that when you're young, you kind of maybe want to have a bit of a balancing act, you know, start your mm. pension and then maybe take a take a bit of their other money that's going into savings and have a little investment account kind of on the side so you can maybe max out some of those returns um, by purchasing individual stocks or um, index funds yes kind of if if anything maybe individual stock investing should be more popular in England and Ireland and the rest of Europe kind of yeah to kind of make up for I think the frustration mm. that young people seem to have, I read a really interesting study, I think in the Financial Times, and they had gone to speak to people in their 20s and 30s, and I believe they were Swiss and German, um, and they were talking to them about contributing to their equivalent mm. of the pension. And a lot of them talked about how they were frustrated because they would get very minimal returns in those early years, and it encouraged them to go out on their own and look for their own financial options and take better control of their financial future. So um, it does seem to be a balancing act where it's like the pension is is the safe haven. It's kind of the default. It's it's kind of the end of the day. That's you know the one you want to be contributing to, but there's no reason you can't do both. Yeah, and also if um, if your company matches your um, pension oh, contribution, yeah. then you'd then you'd be a fool not to take advantage of that yeah, because that definitely. really um that really helps. Yeah. But anyway, um so Amory is actually leading this interview because we thought maybe four people might be too much talking, <laughs> too many cooks in the kitchen. And I've actually listened back to a few of our episodes and we're devils for talking over each other. So we'll oh, get yeah. better at that, guys. <laughs> yeah. The issue is is that the streamer that we use to record these has just the <sighs> tiniest, tiniest of micro delays. It's like maybe half a second. So it means that if you stop to pause, I think you're done talking. So I'm like, oh, mm. perfect. I jump in now. And then I end up, you've just stopped to take a breath. And I'm like, now is the time. Yeah. So, yeah. well, yeah. I, I think I, I can be forgiving because, you know, I'm the new podcast kid on the block. You're, oh, okay. you know, Stock Sorry. Club resident now. <laughs> yeah. I get interrupted on Stock Club all the time because I'm always like presenting a topic and I have like a big list of, of things I want to get out. And mm. James sometimes has to stop me to like, ask another question and I'm like I'm not done with my full five minute presentation yet <laughs> sit down <laughs> yeah so yeah so without further ado here's the interview with Anne-Marie and Tara Financial Planners hope you enjoy so I want to give a warm welcome to Neve and Lisa from Tara Financial who are joining us today to answer a few questions Neve and Lisa welcome welcome thank you, thank you very much uh thank you very much for coming on FML this I don't know what episode this is going to be it's either Three or four, but we will we'll see. We'll find out after the fact. <laughs> All right. So I think like we'll start off just very easy. I would like you guys to explain exactly what financial planning is for anyone who's a complete newbie or a novice, and what does your typical day look like in the office or uh, from from home? To be fair, Neve is at home today. <laughs> Sometimes we like to mix it up that way. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'll, I'll take this question. So. Financial planning kind of, I suppose, it looks at the client's overall financial situation, their needs and goals, and we basically build a tailored financial life plan essentially around that. So in plain English, what this actually means is that we sit down, listen to the clients, what their motivations are, what fears they have, I suppose, where they are now, where they'd like to get to, and we help basically build a plan and strategy to help them get to where they want to be. So like, I'm sure you can appreciate that each client obviously has their own individual goals, their ideas of what retirement, let's say, might look for, like for them. Mm -hmm. 
and we kind of help carve them help them carve their own path essentially by just trying to keep the journey simple break it down for them so that they can actually make informed decisions along the way really like we don't want to just advise clients on a once-off and off they go we kind of we very much want to to build a relationship with them go on the journey with them as they go through the different life stages and trust that I suppose we're in their corner and we have their best interests at heart mm-hmm. and I'm sure you know as well like Amory it's, it's probably similar to the area you, you work in a lot of people kind of assume that you need to be wealthy to have a financial plan and like that that's absolutely just not the case like a good plan will educate you and prepare you for each stage of your life so if you think about it right you know if you had to stop working because tomorrow because you became sick where does your income come from like mm-hmm. you, an income protection policy would be the answer there like we help plan for these scenarios funding a pension so that you can spend your retirement whatever way you want to saving and investing for your children's education and as bleak as it may sound if you were to die in the morning how would your family or your loved ones survive would they struggle would they have to change their lifestyle and goals so I suppose essentially what I'm trying to say is everyone has something to protect or to plan for mm-hmm. so like it's not just for it's not just for the wealthy is what we're trying to say everybody has an element that they can protect or plan for and mm-hmm. then I suppose come back to the second part of your question which was a very long-winded answer there but <laughs> <laughs> um, the yeah the second part is like our day-to-day mainly and Apart from the paperwork, I, I don't want to bore you with that side of it. <laughs> we all know how that, how that goes Fair. in the financial industry. But our, I suppose our days are kind of mainly spent having conversations with clients, um, whether they're new clients or existing clients, and get out and meet them where we can, which is it's great now that things are opening up again that we can do that a bit more. Mm-hmm. But I suppose what I've noticed, because I'm only in the financial industry kind of the last year, I only joined the business. Well, sorry, I'm in the financial industry about nine years, but not the financial planning world. It's only kind of new enough to me in the last year. Mm-hmm. So I've really noticed that I've learned so much in the year that I've been here. But even when I look at my colleagues who have been in the industry far longer than I have, they're constantly learning, constantly evolving, just so that they can stay at the top of their games for their clients. Mm-hmm. So I'd say, obviously, you know, building relationships with new and existing clients is priority number one. But a very close second is constantly educating yourself so that you can mm-hmm. deliver those best outcomes for the clients. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I'm just interested, uh, you talked there a little bit about retirement, but then other financial goals. Is the most common financial goal that you see for people retirement? Like, is that kind of when you see people walk in the door, you kind of assume they're probably coming to set up a baseline retirement account or something like that? Yeah, like a lot of them would. Like a lot of people would kind of say, right, well, I better plan for the retirement. A lot of them probably they don't like for protection it's, it's kind of they nearly see it as a nice to have whereas we kind of view it as a, a necessity especially like income protection but mm-hmm. again a lot of them you're right a lot of them will come true with a plan for retirement now there's obviously you know people that come in and they want to grow their wealth as well through other means other than just retirement but I would say the majority of clients that come in that's kind of their main their main goal Okay. Well, I guess kind of on that idea, if we're walking through the door um, and someone wants to take their first step to control their finances, what do you think that first step should be? What's kind of the most common recommendation that you guys start off with? Yeah, like I suppose, I just got to sound so cliche, but I kind of would say like reach out to a financial advisor. Like, you know, the research has 
there's, there's been so much research on this and it's shown that, you know, those who have used a financial advisor or had them in their corner for like 15 plus years, they have gathered or accumulated 2.7 times more wealth than those who haven't. So that's significant. Yeah. What, you know, that's all grand and it's easy for me to say that, but I kind of like to say, think of a financial advisor as like your PT. Mm-hmm. We're there to hold you accountable to your plan so that you can meet your goals. So I suppose there's no quick win here, really. Like what a, what a good financial advisor should do is sit down with you, have a chat, figure out, I suppose, what your goals are, you know, where do you want to get to? And we'll kind of work backwards from there, really, because, you know, you need to have a goal in mind. Otherwise, like, where are you, where are you going? Do you know that yeah. kind of way? So Fair. I suppose, yeah. for example, if someone was like, in retirement and they were like i want to buy a fam- a, a holiday home in spain and move there mm-hmm. so that's their goal we can help i suppose that can help by them telling us what their goal is that can help us determine what size pension pot they should be aiming to get like mm. and for us i suppose for us to be able to determine what size pot they need we can then break it down even further and say well this is how much you need to put in now to get that size pension pot so that you can fund your future life, future lifestyle. Mm. And we try to kind of like, obviously there's going to be challenges that come up along the way that might throw you off your path to meet that goal. But we try where we can again, to try and mitigate some of that. So for example, again, if you got sick and you lost your job, you've no income to fund for your pension. Mm. If you have an income protection policy in place, you still have an income. You can still fund your pension. You still get to the end goal. Yeah. So that's essentially kind of what we we help do. Um, so mm. like, I know it is cliche, but I do really think that there's an awful lot of benefit in, and there's the research to back up reaching out to a financial advisor just to help keep you accountable and I suppose on the right track to meeting those goals. Yeah, it's actually quite similar to the advice that we give to young people who might be in their 20s who are interested in investing. And it's they're like, oh, what's the first step? And it's like, well, the first step is to start. Like the to first start. step is to, yeah, to kind of reach out and start reading and educating yourselves and reach out to like trusted advisors and people that you know that you can speak to about the topic, which is very mm-hmm. similar. Um, and we're kind of, as the podcast, we're trying to kind of target young people, trying to target women, like people who maybe um, are not as kind of included in the financial landscape. But we're lucky enough to kind of have a diverse audience at this point. So um, I'm interested to know what financial advice would you give people in kind of each decade of their working life, maybe starting with young people, 20s, early 30s, and then kind of going into the middle of your life and then approaching maybe closer to your retirement age? Yeah, that's it. Look, it's a really interesting question because I suppose there's no there's no one size fits all. Um, but generally people in their 20s and 30s, as I'm sure we can all appreciate, are at a very expensive stage of their lives. So, you know, outgoings tend to be much higher Um, you're focused on having fun and, and not thinking about your retirement and things like that. And then as people reach their 40s, 50s, 60s, they might start in, you know, asking those questions. What happens if I retire? Does my employer often a pension fund, etc.? So mm-hmm. we, I think Lisa's kind of already alluded to this, we really try and focus on people's goals. So someone in their 20s might tell us, look, I'm looking to save for a mortgage. And, and that's mm-hmm. really important. And there's no point just going on and on about a pension if that's what someone's goal is. So then if they have those shorter term goals, well, how do we meet, you know, help you meet that? So creating a savings plan um, with your after-tax income to help you fund for your mortgage. And it really helps us to know 
when you plan on actually doing that mortgage and then we can adjust the the risk of the investment accordingly um or someone in their 40s who's saving for a pension you know they have a much longer time to save and they should avail of tax reliefs that are available in ireland for that mm-hmm. so it, it, it does change throughout people, people's life cycle and the financial plan should change it should evolve with the person because i could sit here and say to you yeah i'm going to retire at 60 that's a lovely goal and I might get to 55 and think, I actually don't want to retire until I'm 65. Or I might get to 55 and go, you know what, I've had enough. So Lisa's already mentioned this, but we really just want to stay on the journey and make sure we can adjust the plan as people's needs um, change. I think Albert Einstein apparently said that the eighth wonder of the world is compound interest. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the younger you can start the better for sure in terms of being able to generate the interest. But likewise, it's never too late or to or too early to start with a financial planner really mm-hmm. um maybe kind of building off what i previously mentioned that as the podcast we're trying to maybe target women bring women into this conversation encourage them to take an interest in their finances so i'm wondering do you see financial planning as being particularly important for women especially considering issues like the wage gap or maybe you know there's less family supports and those type of things um and do you guys um i guess in your jobs maybe specifically target women or are you interested in bringing more female clients in um or are there any kind of maybe specific advice you maybe say to women maybe over men or something like that yeah that's a that's a brilliant question and it's something that's super close to both mine and lisa's hearts um it's something that i've really tried to focus on in tara financial since i joined them seven years ago this year and so we we do focus on female clients in particular because i think like you've said there it's absolutely correct there is a gender pay gap and as well as that you know women do tend to live longer than men and often you know if people do decide to have children the female might take time out of work to take care of the children. What does that all mean? Well, that means women need to pedal a lot harder for their pension fund, because if we're going to live longer, you need enough money in there to, to fund for your retirement. And if you're going to be taking time off work, we really want to help you understand, you know, does your employer pay into your pension while you're on maternity leave? You know, do you get PRSI contributions to the state pension add up when you're on maternity leave? Things like that, I think, are, are questions that all too often get maybe pushed to the back of females minds I think probably commonly women are quite lateral thinkers you know so we have a lot going on at the one time and we're often too busy to think of ourselves so you know you're busy running the household or um trying to work maybe in a male-denominated industry like finances and it can all be really intimidating so something we really focus on to help I think and, and why we we have a lot of female clients and, and female business owners as our clients is that we really try and educate people and take out the, the jargon in their industry so it's not as intimidating um, and we do have actually majority female staff in our company at the moment as well so I think it's been great for for brainstorming and, and being able to work with our clients um, to, to account for those things you know because females financial needs are they're just different um, and yeah. And another thing as well, I think a lot of women do tend to focus on maybe ethical investing a a bit more. That's what we find Mm -hmm. is the question that comes up a lot more with females. So I think one thing that's really important and what I would encourage a lot of women to do is if you're married or in a partnership, go along to those meetings, whether it's with your solicitor, Mm -hmm. your accountant, uh, your financial, your partner's financial planner, go to the meeting if it's joint things and make sure you know the answer to questions like, you know, I'm, I'm working in the home, taking care of our family. What happens if my husband is unable to work due to illness? Or, 
what happens if I take my turn leave all these questions go to the meetings ask the questions there really is no such thing as a stupid question um, and I and I think it'll really benefit you in the long term mm-hmm. so it's kind of encouraging women to have that active role um, and kind of make sure that they understand things to the fullest ability and really planning for their future and all the kind of contingencies that come along with that um, it's really kind of great to hear that you guys have targeted that so aggressively um, maybe kind of on a secondary group I'm wondering if you see many young clients and do you think enough young people in Ireland are planning for their future? Yeah, so that's a really good question. Um, we don't see that many young clients, I'll be totally honest with you. And I don't probably think that they are doing enough, but there are so many challenges out there for them. I don't actually blame them. Like it's very hard for them to plan for something, you know, as far out as their retirement when they're struggling to find rental accommodation or struggling to buy a house, yeah. you know, not to mention the, obviously the, the costs, the rising costs because of inflation. Mm-hmm. I think there, again, if we can, and this isn't just like, again, so we are kind of saying about de-jargonizing things and breaking down the jargon. Mm-hmm. If we can simplify things and push the education piece out there for young people too, it's not, it won't be as intimidating for them. And it might, if they can understand it, cause I know myself even before, I came into the financial planning world, I used to kind of go, well, what, what does that mean? Like, yeah. and like, I, I'm not afraid to ask those questions. Some people are, and it makes them see, not, like lose their vision. They just panic. And it, mm-hmm. if we can break it down and help simplify that, that's absolutely brilliant. Now, the government actually recently proposed a new um, pension auto enrollment scheme that is supposed to be rolled out in 2024. Um, I do think that this will help younger mm-hmm. workers. I think, look, there are plenty of aspects of the auto enrollment that still have to be ironed out. It's very much still in proposal stage. But I think anything that directs people to fund towards their retirement at a younger age is a positive. Now, I suppose to help people plan for their future, what I would suggest now, and like we always say this in the office as well, and it's not just for young people, it's for everybody because there's a million and one things going on in your head. Break down your priorities. Have a short-term bucket, a medium-term bucket, and a long-term bucket. So what I mean by that is a young person's short-term bucket might include building up an emergency fund that they have instant access to or clearing any outstanding debts that they may have. Their medium-term bucket, which could be a two to five-year horizon, could be looking to buy a house. Their long-term bucket might be like, okay, let me build a significant retirement pot. Once you have those priorities set, it it kind of all becomes a little bit clearer of what you need to, to look at first. Now, I'm not saying don't contribute to a pension when you're young. If a young person is working for a company and their employer offers them a company pension scheme, mm-hmm. we would absolutely always encourage everyone to take this opportunity because especially if your employer is contributing, it's especially it's essentially like a free pay rise. Mm-hmm. But I suppose what when we're having these conversations with younger people, you know, it is like Neve said, a very expensive time in your life. There are plenty of things that they want to do. They might want to go travel in the world, weddings, house, whatever it is we kind of say put aside what you can absolutely afford because once it goes into the pension you can't break that in case of emergency it is there until you have to retire the pot so just start small and you can always increase the contributions along the way like starting small is better than not starting at all and like we kind of said about the compounding interest it's it just time when you're a younger investor or a younger person time is one of the most powerful tools that you can have So I suppose, again, just to reiterate, if you start small, it's better than not starting at all. But don't overstretch yourself because there are an awful lot of other expenses at that time in your life as well. 
Mm -hmm. You touched there a bit on the macroeconomic conditions that we're experiencing at the minute, things like inflation and increased cost of living. Um, I'm wondering, have you seen that increase, maybe a feeling of apathy among young people? Like, have you seen a decline in young people being interested and in maybe coming in to talk about their pension or trying to start a financial plan or preparing maybe to get a mortgage for a house? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think one thing that's great about young people is I, I do find young people of this generation know where to get answers to questions that they have. So, you know, you, you look on any Reddit thread and people are saying, what's what's an NFT? How do I access the S&P 500? And all these questions that I just don't think were maybe being asked or, or people didn't know where to ask them, you know, 20, 30 years ago and things like that. So I think that young people have a great way of saying, okay, I, I can't maybe do this, you know, that the housing market is very pricey at the moment, maybe I can't afford to buy a house in the next five years, like I expected to be able to, what can I do instead? That's what we're finding people are asking. So people are coming to us and saying, look, I, I've built up maybe 10,000 in savings, I'm not going to be buying a house in the near future, let's face it, what will I do with this money instead? So I think it's more of a diversion of their plans rather than just completely eradicating them. I think we've obviously alluded to a lot already, you know, it is a very expensive time in your life. And I think a lot of people, young people in particular, haven't really seen inflation like we're seeing at the moment and, and prices rising the way that they are rising. So it's definitely scary. And I think goals definitely need to adjust with it. But I do think... Um, I will sing young people's praises and say that I do think it's a great thing that they're educating themselves. And like Lisa said, starting small is better than, than not starting at all. And um, so diverting money to certain savings plans is a great way of adjusting your plan based on, on your changing goals. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess kind of on that idea of young people and maybe getting ready, maybe for retirement or your mortgage or something, because here at my Wall Street, we're like specifically focused on stocks and participating in the stock market. I thought I would ask a bit of a selfish question, which is, so I grew up in America, so we're very used to talking about things like 401ks and Roth IRAs, which for those of you that don't know, are like tax incentivized accounts to encourage people to begin investing and preparing for retirement at a very young age. You can pay way less taxes on, on growth and stuff like that. And so I was wondering, are there any equivalent accounts in Ireland that you think young investors should be taking advantage of? You're going to be sick of me talking about retirement and pension by <laughs> the end of this, no, I, but that's exactly where I'm going with it. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, so like a pension, I suppose, is, you know, as, as we all know, is one of the most tax efficient vehicles that you can have. And I suppose, you know, it's becoming more and more important because we're all living longer on average, which means that we need more income to live off. And mm -hmm state pension look it's only it's less than thirty thousand a year at the moment so it's obviously not very much to get by on um i suppose one of the reasons that the pension is the most tax efficient vehicle is because you can get tax relief on contributions going into the pension it grows tax-free and then you may be able to get a tax-free uh, lump sum when you retire it up to mm -hmm. certain limits now it's all well and good to be saying that you get tax relief in the pension contributions but I know like from speaking to a lot of people, they kind of go, yeah, but what does that actually mean? So I suppose, let's say, just take for example, 100 euro, just to use easy figures. If you pay 100 euro into your pension and you're on the higher rate of income tax, you will receive tax relief of 40 euro, meaning that it's actually only gonna cost you 60. So 100 euro gets invested, but you will only see a difference of 60 euro off your pay slip. And it's similar if you're on the lower rate of income tax, it's 20%. So it'll actually essentially only cost you 80 euro, but the full 100 euro is getting invested. So in a way, you can kind of think of it like you've already got 20 or 40% return already, right? Yeah. 
I suppose another, like I said, kind of just to reiterate, if you do start young, time is on your side. It's the most powerful tool that we can have to help kind of build up a significant pension pot without overstretching yourself too much. Um, so we have pension projections calculator here, right? So I just wanted to just to really hammer home and emphasize, I suppose, the impacts that compounding interest can have on your pension pot. I've popped in a couple of, so the inputs were 40,000 salary growing, the salary growth rate was 1%, a return rate was 5%. And then we just said, if the contribution increased in line with the salary of 1%. So if you started contributing 300 euro a month to the pension at age 25, and let's say you retire at age 68, you'd end up with a pot around 338,000. Now, if you started this 10 years later at age 35, put in the same 300 a month, and again, retirement age at 68, you'd end up with a pot of 201,000. So that's a difference of 137,000 mm-hmm. just by 10 years, by you not starting younger. So yeah. And like like you said, like if the longer you leave it and if you have a, a goal or a certain pension pot in mind, you know, you will have to kind of, you'll feel the pinch a little bit more because you'll have to increase your contributions to get to that level. Whereas if you just start, start small, as we keep saying, it's better than not starting at all. It makes it a lot easier down the line for you to, to reach that goal. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's quite impressive, but you did just talk a little bit there about kind of Irish tax laws, the advantages of using the pension system. So kind of overall, would you say that Irish tax laws like affect your recommendations and do those kind of adjust over time as tax laws um, adjust over time? Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, we're not tax advisors ourselves. So what we do with a lot of our clients who do have maybe tax advisors, accountants, solicitors, etc, is we try and partner with them to make sure that the plan is suitable for that client. And we are availing of any tax reliefs that are available. Because look, there's not there's not a whole lot of them in Ireland. So we might as well use the ones we have. And so like Lisa mentioned, the pension, it it would be the main one because you get your your income tax relief on your contributions. And also, like Lisa mentioned, the contributions and the value of pension grows tax-free if there is growth in it and um, which we make sure there is so you know if, if you're investing personally in your own name you might pay 33 percent capital gains tax or 41 percent exit tax whereas if that's growing in the pension that's something that you don't have to pay now for people that are investing personally there is a capital gains tax allowance and um, which is a user knows allowance that you get each year on gains that you you make uh, in investing in shares and that's that's something a lot of people don't know but you do actually have to sell out of your share to avail of that so if you're working with an accountant we try and make sure that people are availing that where where it's suitable um, and then for higher net worth investors we see a lot of them doing EIS investments, which is another tax incentive, and it's not a pension one. Um, so that's where you can invest in an Irish company. So it's absolutely brilliant for our, our economy here um, and a great way of investing. And you get income tax relief on your contribution. So let's take someone who you know is a 40% taxpayer and they might want to invest you know, 100,000. Look, we're talking big numbers here, but just for round figures. And then, you know, that's 40,000 of tax relief they're going to get on their investments. So really only 60% of the capital is at risk in a way, if you want to look at it that way. So it's another great thing that I think a lot of people aren't aware of. Like I said, it's usually only suitable for for higher net worth investors. Um, But again, it's just about making sure that any advisors that clients do work with are speaking to each other so that we can maximize the tax reliefs that are available in certain situations. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I've certainly taken away from this that I need to get a financial planner, apparently. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. I have one last question for you. And this actually came to us from a listener. His name is Stephen Lynch. Stephen, thank you for the question. Um, and he said, is there a way to open up or maybe what is the best way uh, to open up an investment portfolio in your kids' names? Yeah, that's a good question. And we, we do actually come across this quite a lot. Um, so there is, is the short answer. So you can set up what's called a bear trust savings account. So under the current rules, you can gift your child 3,000 per annum from each parent, right? Anything above that amount would be liable to gift tax at 33%. Mm -hmm. What's, I suppose, is really important for us to hammer home that under this kind of bear trust structure, the child, once they turn 18, will be the owner of the plan. So this means that if the child instructs the life company or the trustees of the fund to withdraw all their funds, they're within their right because they have the authority, they're the legal owner. So naturally, this makes a lot of parents uncomfortable with it. So because they're like, I do not want 60 grand or 100 grand or whatever, maybe sitting there and the child's able to run off and blow it off. I certainly wouldn't have been responsible at age 18. No, <laughs> coming to me. You'd have a you'd have a great time interrailing though. If you had a hundred grand, think of the time you'd have. You'd be on the luxury train and train and everything. Like there's no yeah, way you'd yeah. be doing the backpacking thing. No. <laughs> but so we kind of suggest sometimes, depending on what the parents want to use it for, right? A lot of parents kind of set up like an educational regular saver fund. So this kind of will help cover the costs of college if the child needs to move out and they pay for accommodation and stuff like that the parents will be the legal owners now they can't sorry they can gift it to the child in a lump sum at a later stage in life if they want to but this would eat into their inheritance tax liability which is a lifetime threshold mm. so under the current rules a child can inherit 335,000 tax-free in their lifetime from their parents so if they choose to give the lump sum, that will eat into that threshold. If they use it for educational costs and stuff like that, that's, you know, it's not going to the child, it's not being gifted to the child, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's fine. But under the bear trust structure is the only way that you could, you know, have it in the child's name, but just to be aware that it does, that the child becomes the legal owner at 18. And I know once we explain that to a lot of clients, some of them are okay with it. Some of them are like, absolutely not. I don't want to take that risk. Mm -hmm. So it's just it's just something to be aware of when you are and just figure out what exactly it is that you want the funds for. Now, like I said, you can still gift a child 3,000 per annum, you know, or anybody, you can gift anybody 3,000 per annum tax-free and that doesn't eat into, the, into the, the threshold. So it is still a great incentive to do, but it, it just makes it a little bit more tricky when you're investing it in one of these kind of, trust structures mm -hmm. with the bear accounts do you sometimes see people who have toddlers trying to determine how responsible their toddler will be when they turn 18 to determine <laughs> is it an appropriate account <laughs> yeah <laughs> their yeah, own kids are saints aren't they so they would yeah, yeah. They'd never do that <laughs> you'd be like they'll be responsible don't worry yeah. okay um that's great well neve and lisa i would want to thank you for coming on fml thank you for answering all of our questions thank you for reiterating the importance of pensions and you are welcome back anytime if you want to talk about pensions some more absolutely thank you so much for having us